podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Tis that time of the season when the ghouls and goblins prowl. Witches ride their broomsticks and bonehead wildcats howl. So scrape your claws together and make some chilling noise for your haunted Boom, the boys are back, and it is time for another uh, absolutely dominating game review. I I don't think I've probably ever killed a podcast even close to as uh, <laughs> as utterly uh, killed uh, that the Houston Cougars were at the hands of our Kansas State Wildcats. We're going to talk all about it. We're going to grade some keys to V. We're going to hand out... A ton of game awards, but before we do, uh, just real quick, uh, I want to give a, just a real quick shout out to the K-State women's volleyball team. Uh, back-to-back sweeps, that's right, that is sweeping the number six team, the BYU Cougars, back-to-back nights in the Morgan, the Morgan Family Arena. Uh, again, I, I, I don't know if they're going to make the NCAA tournament, they had a couple bad losses, not a very tough strength of schedule uh well no they they had some tough tough teams on the uh, on the non-con uh didn't get any wins um versus those teams but they're really coming in their own and they're a really fun team to watch so if you have the time try to make a little bit of effort to see them play on espn plus for the remainder of the seasons they're trying to get into postseason play uh absolutely amazing all right moving into the football game absolutely uh Great day out at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. Announced attendance of 51,928. Fun flyover featuring a ton of K-State graduates. One K-State student, including... uh, I knew one of the pilots, so shout out to Peyton. Uh, Fun flyover. Fun pregame atmosphere. Honestly, surprised by how good the turnout was, given the temperatures. Pretty cold. Uh, the threat of rain, especially for as uh, far as most of the K State fan base has to travel, um, a lot of deterrence out there. But again, it was another packed house. Uh, absolutely, just amazing game. Great atmosphere in the first half. Again, I'm not going to. There are times, and I've even done it this year, where I've gotten a little mad. I've chirped a little bit at K State fans uh, for leaving uh, at halftime, not getting back in for the third quarter. Or waiting too long to get back in the third quarter. I'm not going to do it for this one. Absolute utter domination through the entire game. Um, not going to fo- fault folks for leaving at halftime of this one. Um, and, and and honestly, um, you know, Houston probably wishes they could have left. Uh, just a, a great game again. Forty-one to nothing. Um, it's been a while since we've seen a run like this, and we're going to talk about it before we do. Shout out to Manhattan Brewing Company. I was able to stop in after the game, got some beers to go, got some crowlers, got some four packs to bring back with me to Shawnee. Uh, look, if you're going to uh, Bramlage Coliseum, wow. Yep, that's right. The Cats are in action Wednesday versus Emporia State. For an exhibition game, get in there a little early. Go get yourself a couple pints before you go to Bills or to Bramlage. Gosh, again, it's going to take some practice. You know, getting back to Bramlage. That's right for the opener on the season, the exhibition game versus Emporia State. Get a couple pints. Uh, you know, it's cool enough. You can you can keep the four packs and crowlers in your car as you enjoy some exhibition basketball on Wednesday, and then bring it home and enjoy it. That's right. We got both teams rolling. Uh, Spooky season's almost over, and we're about to have dueling sports season. Uh, It's exciting, that's for sure, and it's always exciting times over at Manhattan Brewing Company. They've helped make this podcast into a bigger, better spectacle, so check them out every time you're in Manhattan. Tell them Bosco's Boys sent you, and enjoy some of the best beer in the state of Kansas, from the best brewery in the state of Kansas. All right, 41 to nothing. 
again, uh, the, the the game versus Oklahoma State. I mean, since that game, and that that was so unfortunate. And honestly, the defense played pretty good in that game. Um, but the entire team has been playing so well since that unfortunate game. And and look, Oklahoma State now uh, in this crazy tie for first place in the Big 12. So, again, the game doesn't look that bad. It still hurts um, because, again, so many what-ifs. You play so poorly on offense, yet you still had a chance late in the game to get it to overtime. Um, it is a little frustrating looking back on it. But, again, the team has been lights out since that happened. Um, and again, I, I don't think we have seen K-State in back-to-back weeks versus power opponents look as dominant as they did uh, versus TCU and then versus Houston. Now, I'm putting a little bit of an asterisk next to Houston being a power program. They're in the Big 12, and I'm sure that they're not going to be trash. They're not going to be bad their entire time. Uh, in the Big 12 or anything like that. I know we like to get our jokes off about can we return them to the American and all that type of stuff. I I think the four newcomers are getting a little bit of a reality check. They're getting a little bit of a wake-up call, and that's fine. And So there's a little bit of an asterisk next to calling Houston a power program for this season. But again, that level of dominance uh, seen back-to-back weeks has not happened very often. And look... All that being said, Houston put the fright into Texas, and, and honestly, in their game versus Texas, home game versus Texas, they should have been in overtime. Um, they they took them to the wire, and, and, and by all the advanced metrics, by all the advanced metrics uh, rankings, Houston coming into that game on Saturday morning was a top 20, top, top 30 offense in the entire nation in case they absolutely murdered them. Um, the offense they went against... You know, really is a unit uh, that can get yards, that can get points. And again, we'll talk about the offense, we'll talk about the defense. And I, I think whether things are good or bad, the offense gets a lot of the attention, and rightfully so. You know, you, you got to score points to win games. But this defense and what they've been able to do uh, the last few weeks has been so impressive. And, and, Honestly, I don't think it's close. I think they've been the more impressive unit uh, between the two. And that's saying something uh, because uh, K-State has, uh, by all the metrics in conference play, the number two offense in the Big 12. You know, uh, but the last few games have just been masterclass. One of my, you know, folks like to make fun of me for saying it, but an absolute masterclass by the defense and Joe Klanderman. Uh, and, and you got to hope, and, and you get, you're starting to get excited, and we're, we're going to try not to peek too uh, far in the future. We're going to try to enjoy this next one, but uh, that matchup for Texas versus Texas on Saturday is just looking immense. Um, you know, if, if you look at how things closed uh, Vegas-wise, sportsline-wise, again, I predicted uh, it to be close back-to-back weeks. I, I had the opponent covering. I had K-State winning. And uh, I think I had K-State by four uh, for the TCU game. And I had K-State by like 11 with Houston. Um, absolutely murdering the number. Again, it closed at 17, got as low as 15 and a half, was as high as 17 and a half, closed at 17. The uh, line total or the point total closed at 61. Again, the dominance by K-State's defense uh, means that the under cash there um, so K-State absolutely having their way with the lines makers as well. Real quick look at how the Big 12 is looking uh, before we, uh, again, dive even deeper into the game from Saturday. With KU's win over Lawrence, or in Lawrence over Oklahoma, K-State is now in a five-way tie. That's right, five games in the season. It's a five-way tie for first place in the Big 12. you got Oklahoma, Texas, Iowa State and Oklahoma State joining K-State at the top of the 12, all having a laugh. KU and West Virginia tied for 6th place at 3-2. and two. And next week, 6 of those 7 teams are playing each other in what is going to be a Herculean Saturday for the Big 12. K-State and Texas getting things started 11 a.m. on Big Boy Fox for Big Noon Kickoff. Bedlam at 2.30 on ESPN and KU traveling up to Ames, Iowa uh, 
for a 6 p.m. tilt on ESPN. Total yards in this game, I honestly was a little bit surprised when I dove into the stats. K-State 394 to Houston's 208. K-State, uh, you know, look, they had a, a short field we'll talk about. It. They didn't need to get a bunch of yards uh, because of the field position. Um, but they really did kind of slow things down. A lot of the garbage time yards for Houston. K-State didn't pick up a lot of yardage and uh, garbage time as well. K-State 70 plays to Houston's 59. Time of possession 35 minutes to 25. K-State on Houston. K-State had the one turnover. Houston uh, at the hands of Will Lee coughing it up or turning it over twice. And then penalties, only one for five for K-State and six for 60 for Houston. Very clean game, very disciplined game. Again, we have seen this team come into their own. They're not uh, you know, pen- getting penalized. They're not making stupid mistakes. For the most part, they're taking care of the ball. And now, guys, we're starting to see how dangerous things can be once we start getting some takeaways as well. Um, just w- when you're looking at the discipline side of things, when you're looking at just the game management side of things and just the execution, again, this might be one of the best games in the Chris Kleiman era when you're looking at the lack of penalties, the lack of stupid mistakes. Again, maybe not the, the, the cleanest game in the Kleiman era because of the one turnover, but folks, this team is dialed in and uh, they can be scary good. We are, we are seeing... The, uh, the the level of play we all were hoping to see at the beginning of this season. And K-State's coming into it at the perfect time. And then again, the, the dominance on the money downs, third down and fourth down, uh, just shining through for the second straight week. K-State, 10 of 14 on third down. They did uh, fail to pick it up on the one time they went for it on fourth down. But 10 of 14 on third down. Houston, 3 of 14 on third down, and 0 of 4 on fourth down. Uh, Folks, if you want to win games, being efficient in the red zone and scoring touchdowns, holding your opponent to kicking field goals, and dominating on third and fourth down, that is the easiest recipe to win uh, for, for from now on out. Those those stats, and again, there, there are probably smarter people out there. Uh, that would say, actually, you know, this stat's a better gauge. Oh, you know, this might be a better way to look at it. But for my money, if you if you are scoring touchdowns in the red zone, if you have a high touchdown rate in the red zone, if you have a low touchdown rate in the red zone as a defense, so you're not allowing touchdowns when your opponent gets in the red zone. Although, I don't know if Houston got in the red zone. I don't know if Houston got in the red zone at all. If they did, it was only like once. Um but that's besides the point. And then third and fourth down efficiency. Just mm, chef's kiss. Everything, all these like little quirk. It's not even quirky. All these things that I really buy into, that I really uh, you know, dial in on. K-State just took care of business and you love to see it. Let's talk about the offense. But before we do, let's have a shout out to our guys and girls over at Charlie Hustle. Folks, I saw so many Charlie Hustle uh, varsity jacks, jackets, bomber jackets, whatever you want to call them, at the game, and you better get yours now. Um, there was, there's only a limited amount of this new black one that they uh, produce, mainly for wholesale accounts. But oh, just absolutely styling and profiling. They got two white ones, and then the lavender one as well. Folks, if you want to look good, if you want to look like Coach Jerome Tang, Tang absolutely looking like a boss, rocking his cats, Charlie Hustle jacket all around town uh, at Big 12 Media Days. Get over there today. Also, perfect outer layer for some of these cold games. Again, I I think the weather's going to be nice down in Texas, but then, hey, you got two home games in the road game down the road in Lawrence, Kansas. It's going to be a little chilly. You need a jacket, but you want to look good. You want to be comfortable in the elements. Uh, Check out Charlie Hustle. Get them before they're sold out. You're going to have to act fast. They're that good. All right, offense. Again, another just great offensive performance. And and it does kind of, you kind of look back to Stillwater. And again, their de- Oklahoma State's defense is really starting to find themselves as well. But outside of that game, this offense has just been, just been rolling the, the entire season. Um, 
And again, when you look at the two turnovers, the four turnovers on down by the defense, they set the offense up with short fields. They allowed it, uh, or they made it so you weren't going to have to have another 500, 600-yard day to have the offensive output you you did. But look, let, let's be very frank here. If K-State needed to go you know, 90 yards on every single one of their touchdown drives, they would have been able to do it. Colin Klein is in his groove. He is truly everything K-State fans have hyped him up to be when it comes to play calling. And he's putting up these numbers that we haven't seen since 2012, since 1998, since 2003. The most prolific offenses in K-State history. We are seeing the output that this year goes hand-in-hand with those. And look... I absolutely love the running backs. But, I mean, you know, they're not all Americans. You don't have many wide receivers, if any, that are going to walk in and be starting across the Big 12. Will Howard, and he he's, doing, he, he's found his stride. But, again, Will Howard not quite lead, living up to the hype we all set for him whether that was warranted or not, whether it was too lofty or not, you know, we'll have those, that conversation another time. You know, I, I, I just, I, I, I kind of take a step back and, and I look, and again, I, I said that, you know, the defensive performance the last couple weeks have been even more impressive, but when you really try to diagnose and when you take a step back and look at what Colin Klein has been able to do, given the stable of players he has, I mean, folks, it's truly miraculous, and and you just got to give so much credit to him, and it's so exciting because we are seeing the level of athlete, the level of recruit elevating, and you have to think to yourself, all right, if you're able to keep Colin Klein home, if you're able to keep him in this offensive staff together for two to three years, how good could the offense be looking in 2025? How good could the offense be looking in 2026 and beyond? Folks, I I just I, I think Colin Klein is probably approaching a level where you need to be talking about him being amongst the five to ten best offensive coordinators in the nation. Um and I don't think that's me drinking the Kool-Aid. I don't think that's home cooking. I don't think that is me being hyperbolic. Some folks might disagree. And uh, look, look, I, you, you don't come to me to have lukewarm takes or sit on the fence or anything. So going up against one of, if not the best defenses in the nation next week, um, I might be singing a different tune. You guys might be pulling up this show and saying, oh, really, Scott? What's going on here? Um but he's he has just been on a whole different level, uh, really outside of that Oklahoma State game all year, and, and you love to see it. Uh, let's talk about the quarterbacks. And again, like I said, uh, you guys don't listen to this show for. I, I'm a fan. Look, I, I am truly just a fan. I am nothing more but a fan with a microphone who uh, you know talks into said microphone for. Anywhere between five to eight hours a week, depending on guest appearances I do. Uh, so I'm no different than any of you guys listening. Um, so I acknowledge that before I say all this. but uh, Because just two weeks ago, I, w- I was saying the exact opposite thing. But I think Will Howard is the guy. And I, I think you need to r- keep rolling forward with this version of Will Howard as your starter uh, moving forward. Uh, I-, I think you continue to have... Whether it's a series, whether it's uh, game time situations set up for Avery, because I do think, and we'll talk about Avery in a second, uh, I do think he's a dynamic enough athlete that you don't just relegate him to a traditional backup quarterback role. But Will Howard is playing well enough that th- there shouldn't be any more controversy for the rest of the year. Uh, again, if you drop a game, if the game versus Texas is rough, uh, of course. Um, the discourse on social media might change. Even my tune might change. I don't know. I'm an emotional fan. I Like I said, I'm, I'm no different than any of you guys listening. Um, but I, I kind of sit back and I, I see what happened versus TCU and I see what happened in this game. I think you just got to roll with it. And like I said, um, it's this version of Will Howard. Um, 
he he's not trying to go for these home run plays. He's not trying to force something that isn't there, and he is a little bit more game managery. And I don't think that is bad. Now again, that that all might be tested next week when you're going up against a great defense and an offense in Texas that is capable of being explosive. I get that. I understand that. I acknowledge that. But I think when Colin Klein and especially this offensive line, which we'll talk about later, when they're finding their groove when they're able to really do whatever they want in any given play and have these 10 12 play drives nine play drives where almost seemingly almost every play you're picking up the amount of yardage that you need for that situation uh it's all about taking care of the ball and not creating massive mistakes now we saw will howard he was able to loft up the ball to philip brooks for the longest play of the game the 40 yard uh pitch and catch where philip brooks did a great job coming down with that ball uh so you're able to take those shots still and you saw he put the ball where he needed to be if he would have let him out a little bit more maybe philip brooks is able to run score a touchdown there but he put the ball where it needed to be not perfect no but a game manager will howard not turning the ball over making the correct plays is good enough with how this defense is rolling um so we'll see what happens moving forward is that going to be the recipe for success next week i don't know i hope so I truly hope so, but I know that that, that version of Will Howard uh, with that offensive line, that play calling, I know that team can beat Baylor. I know that team can beat Iowa State, and I know that team can beat KU. Um, so, look, next week is going to be massive, and, and I apologize for letting it bleed into uh, the, the review of a 41 to nothing throbbing, a shutout, just an absolute ass-kicking. Um but, I mean, it's massive. I'm already super nervous. I feel it in my gut, man. Uh, next week is just going to be so so huge. And, uh, man, I, I just uh, I just hope Will can do it. I mean, because, look, he went 15 of 17 uh, for 164 yards, two touchdowns, nine carries for 24 yards. And, again, that's only 9.6 yards in an attempt. That's not great at all. That's not that's nothing to write home about. But again, only two incompletions. Nothing that put K-State in a bad situation. I mean, I think he completed the first 11 you know, attempts that he had. Um, there is nothing wrong in that being the recipe for this offense. And I, I just believe in the running game. I believe in the offensive line. And I believe in Colin Klein to set Will Howard up to be in the best situation to win next Saturday. And again, if it's a repeat of something similar to what we saw versus Houston, I th- I think that that can get the job done. Um, I'm not going to go gutter to gutter on Avery Johnson, though. I, I am going to avoid that. He- he's fine. Everything's going to be fine. I think we're just seeing a true freshman having some learning curves. You know, similar manner uh, when he was throwing the ball 5 of 6 for 46 yards 7.7 yards attempt one touchdown again it was kind of game managering when he uh, threw the ball he did have four rushing attempts for negative five yards so there's a sack involved there I don't know if they attributed negative yardage to him on the fumble or not Um, but look Houston didn't let us get the QB run game going Um, Will Howard had one kind of nice run but everything else was really stonewalled um, so that is what happened. That's, that's what's going to happen when teams are selling out to stop the quarterback run. But as we'll talk about here in a bit, uh, DJ Giddens had a big game. Treshawn Ward had a couple big runs. They're able to, uh, have a conservative passing tree that allowed you to move the ball down the field the entire way. And, and, and truthfully, they would have been able to score as much as they needed to. And that could have, this could have been a game where if they really put pedal to the metal, it could have been 65 to maybe three. Maybe Houston does score if you're giving those extra possessions. But at the end of the day, both Will Howard and Avery Johnson really shepherd the team uh, to what they needed to do to have a dominant performance. Again, you don't love seeing that uh, you know miscommunication on the read option between uh, Avery and Treshawn on that uh, fumble. 
Again, freshman mistake from Avery. It is what it is. The kid's going to still be a superstar. I'm not going to go gutter to gutter on Avery Johnson. I don't think really anyone is. There might be like one or two randos out there that are, but I don't think anyone is, nor should they. And, and real quick before we move on to the offensive line, shout out to Jake Rubley. It was good to see him out there for the final couple drives, kill the game off. I was able to have a five-yard completion. Could that be the final pass of the Jake Rubley era at K-State, if you can even call it that? Uh, I don't know, uh, but but regardless, uh, shout out to Jake Rubley. Everything you hear about the kid, he, he just puts his nose down. He's working out there. I'm glad he's able to get back out on the field. Uh, we'll see what happens in the offseason when it comes to the quarterback room because it is going to be a very interesting situation to see what's going on in there. Uh, offensive line just utterly dominant. Uh, they did surrender two sacks. One of them was on a really uh, bad miscommunication early in the game. But outside of those, the guys were eating. I mean, uh, you know, because you did give up two sacks, I don't think you can give, can give them an A+. Plus, but it has to be an A. And, and it was fun to see some of those young guys, you know, the future guys out there late in the game. Again, it's they didn't set the world on fire when they were out there late. Um, but, but, you know, it, it's good to get them game experience. It's good to get their, uh, you know, palette wet a little bit and kind of, okay, this is what it looks like when you're blocking guys not wearing the same color uniform. Uh, so it's good to see it. But really, when you look at Cooper Beebe, I mean, how many times, how many times a season does an offensive lineman go viral on Twitter, on social media, on the highlight shows? You know, how often does that happen? Cooper Beebe's done it in back-to-back weeks and he's done it a couple times this year. The guy is a man possessed, and I, I think it is fair to say he is, and I don't think this is being hyperbolic, I don't think it's being in the moment, because K-State has had a lot of good offensive linemen. I think that there are a handful of guys who probably deserve to be up on the Ring of Honor, but what Cooper Beebe's doing in the season he's having, especially ever since he's been able to just play left guard, play his position, not have to worry about bouncing all across the entire offensive line the entire game. What he's been able to do has been second to none in K-State history. He is putting on a senior season that deserves to be consensus first-team All-American. Back-to-back Big 12 Offensive Lineman of the Year. And again, he deserves to be up on that ring of honor in Bill Snyder Family Stadium. Cooper, I mean, we've said it a few times, but enjoy every game you get from Cooper Beebe. We have four regular season games left. We have a bowl game, and God willing, we have another Big 12 championship game. Hopefully. I'm just praying because guys like Cooper Beebe really deserve the opportunity to go back-to-back. He he truly is going down in the lore of the gods, of the absolute legends, the highest of highs, Mount Rushmore territory for Cooper Beebe. That is how well he's playing. Again, not just Cooper though, you know, once we started really going all in on this rushing attack, when you have uh, all the pulling that we're doing, uh, Hayden Gillum has started to play real well. KT Lev, again, he is playing himself into uh, definitely draft boards. Can can he find a way into the fifth or sixth round? Uh, I'm not sure, but he's playing well enough that he's going to hear his name called uh, this upcoming spring. He is playing that well. And again, now that the right side of the offensive line is able to settle in a little bit, I saw a play where Carver Willis put a guy, a Houston Cougar, all the way into his bench, just put him on skates. And Hadley Panzer's really finding himself as well. And then you have Big Duff and you have Taylor Portier who are splitting time over there as well. Uh, again, the offensive line has come into their own, and they have achieved. They have uh, hit that peak. They've hit that level in which we all wanted them to, uh, and they were such a big focal point of all the offseason conversations. They have finally started to reach that level. All right, uh, tight ends and fullbacks, it was good to see Ben Sennett out there. Um, he only had one catch for six yards. I think they were trying to protect him a little bit coming off of the injury the previous week, uh, easing him back into things. So it was very good to see him out there when it sounded like it was 50-50 until about midweek. Thursday, Friday, you start hearing, okay, he's going to be able to go. It was good to see him out there. Uh, we're going to need him next week, definitely. 
But it is fun to see Garrett Oakley be the second leading receiver, three catches for 36 yards in his first touchdown, and Will Swanson, uh, one catch, but is a long one for 21 yards. When you have these three guys, and they're all developing, like, so Ben Sennett is like the biggest passing threat that you got. Uh, and, and Garrett Oakley is showing that he can be a game changer there, and Will Swanson is presenting himself as a viable to reliable target in the passing game with all the frustrations with all the uh deficiencies that we're, we see in the wide receivers um it's massive for will howard it's massive for avery johnson it's massive for colin klein to be able to look at those three guys and say hey these guys are big athletes no they're not going to beat you over the top and burn you for a 95 yard uh reception but they're going to be able to body you. They're going to be able to pick up eight yards on a second and seven. They're going to be able to get you into the end zone on second and goal from the eight. These guys are showing that they can be part of the passing game, that you can scheme up for these guys and not just have them be tertiary or final check down looks. They can be part of the passing game and be game planned around. Moving to the running backs, DJ continues to be a stud. Uh, we're eight games into the season. He has 960 yards from scrimmage. Uh, so he's going to easily, he's easily going to be uh, getting into that 1,000-yard territory. Uh, I don't know if he's going to get to the 1,500 uh, yards, but he's going to, I would imagine, get up over 1,200 yards from scrimmage. Uh, Trayshawn's right around that 500 yards. So you need, need some big games from Trayshawn for you know my statement of both these guys uh, having over 1,000 yards from scrimmage in the backfield. Um, but look, it, it's a great one-two punch. And DJ was the hot hand again in this game. Um, 13 carries uh, for 96 yards, long of 14. Receptions for 25 yards. Had another great uh, catch out of the backfield where he went for 23 yards. Uh, that was the second longest play of the game behind Brooks's 40-yard haul-in. Um, it, it's just great to see another big-time performance from him. And he, he, he is living up to everything I said he could do every time I went on someone else's show in the offseason. Oh, what's K-State going to do without Deuce? They're dead without Deuce. No. DJ Giddens is not Deuce Vaughn. And again, he's not going to have, you know, a 2,000 yard from scrimmage type of season this year. No, he's not going to. But what he is able to do is you can basically pencil him in for a touchdown a game and what, 115, 120 yards from scrimmage every game, that is a dangerous weapon to have. Um, And again, Houston was really trying to key in on the quarterback run game. Well, DJ just ran all over them. And and heck, give give Trayshawn some praise too. He had a a nice nine-yard run. He had a touchdown as well. Those two guys are making it so you can't, just focus on the quarterback run game and think you're going to stop K-State from running the ball. So great one-two punch for them. Big Tony Frias got six carries for 15 yards, long of seven, mostly in garbage time. Uh, but shout out to Big Tony Frias getting his touches out there as well. Moving to the wideouts, Philly Brooks had a nice game, a little bit of a redemption game because he's gone viral. He's been on the wrong side of a couple clips uh, on Twitter, on social media, on some of the highlight shows of not putting in a full effort blocking, giving up on some routes, that type of stuff. Um, and again, you only see the bad uh, because that that that's very noticeable. I'm you know that's probably one percent of the one percent of what Philip Brooks is doing. Uh, and he had a big game, four catches for eighty-two yards. Uh, led the entire game, 83 yards, excuse me, led the entire game in receiving yards. Had the 40-yard the, the catch, you know, it, he went up and got it. He made some big-time catches and a great little stick route uh, to get into the end zone uh, for his touchdown as well. So a great game from Phillip Brooks, um, and, and you needed that. Again, um, it, it, he, he's probably not going to be the big-time home run threat, um, but being able to run that route, go up and get that ball on the 40-yard, because that, that was on what? Was it third in inches or second in inches? Everyone's packing the line. He's able to make that play, able to get into the end zone. Again, in the style of offense that 
Colin Klein has really evolved to this season, it is important for him in the slot to be a reliable guy to go to to catch the ball. And he he did that. Um, Jace Brown, uh, coming off his big game, I think the first game, uh, him as an official starter, I don't know if he actually was on the field for the first play, but on the one line, got a lot of snaps with no Keegan Johnson to be seen. He didn't suit up. Uh, some some true freshman mistakes. Uh, he, he was not very good in the jet sweep uh, game. On both of them, uh, there were pockets that he should have cut up in to pick up more yards, but he went all the way to the boundary. Uh, on one catch, he tried to go across the field instead of just picking up the first down. Um, he's learning. I, I'm not. The guy is a baller. He 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 loves to play football. I think he's going to have at least ap- one absolutely massive game before the regular season's done, and it might have to be next week because I, I think he is the only true game changer guy who can take the lid off of defense. Uh, that you can say, hey, we need you to go make a play on the outside. Uh, go do it. I think he's the guy. Uh, and you might need him to do it next week. So, again, not a great uh, follow-up to his breakout game last week, uh, but it'll be all right. Uh, Jaden Jackson, two carries for 15 yards, long of eight. RJ Garcia, one catch for four yards. Uh, Eric Pizarro, he caught the five-yard uh, pass from Jake Rubley. Look, uh, none of those guys dynamic. Um, it'll be okay. They'll figure things out. Um, but but you just don't have that game breaker unless it's going to be Jace Brown. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, but before we move on, you guys thought I was going to forget about maybe the play of the game. The, the play that maybe has made me smile more than any other play this season, it's our guy Seth Porter getting in the end zone right down there in a goal-to-go situation from Avery Johnson. Folks, I could not be more pumped for Seth Porter. And... I challenge you, I tell you all to get on social media, get on YouTube, and find all the praise from Chris Kleiman's press conference, from Philip Brooks's press availability. See the pictures of Gene Taylor running up to give him a hug after he got that touchdown. Seth Porter is really the archetype. He is the, when you look up, you know, wildcat grit. When you, Whenever you want to talk about, you know, the guy who puts it all on the line for the football program, for the university, it's Seth Porter. He finally gets in the end zone, and I couldn't be happier for the guy. He he deserves it. This guy, if there's anyone who deserved to get into the pay dirt, it was Seth Porter, and I was so pumped. that I, I When that happened, I just fist pumped so hard, I thought I threw out my shoulder, and getting that guy into the end zone, heck, he had a tackle on special teams this game. He's the guy who really rallied the special teams together after that Poor performance down in Oklahoma State, um, and, and being able to get in there on offense, and I think that was only his sixth catch of his career. Finally getting in there um, again. I, I wish you know. I wish he was uh, you know the game breaking wide receiver that this team desperately needs. But he is the heart and soul of this team, and he's a captain. And, and everyone wants to talk about the culture and the buy and how they're able to bounce back after that Oklahoma State game. He is one of those main characters and one of those guys that really helped propel this team forward. So being able to see him get rewarded, get into that end zone on offense, uh, folks, I, it, I mean, it's not going to make any Sports Center top 10 plays, but I mean, for, for the season, on the entire season, that's going to be a top five play for me because I, I just, I, I love the kid. I love his family. Shout out to his dad, who's a bonehead as well. Um, I, I just, it just, it just makes me so happy. So shout out to Seth Porter on that touchdown as well. Can't say enough good things about Seth. All right, let's get into the defensive side of the ball, pitching another shutout, just like Manhattan Brewing Company. They're going to shut out any other bad beers around. I don't know if that's a good transition or not, but I love Manhattan Brewing Company. I'm not going to the exhibition game on Wednesday, but I will be going to the home opener next Friday versus Bellarmine. Bellarmine? I don't know. Whoever we're playing on Friday. And I'm going to, you know, I'm then going to go back before the Baylor game. I guess that's two weeks. I guess that's two weeks from now. Man. 
That's sad. It's going to be like two weeks. It's going to be like 10 days before I get back to Manhattan. But that's all right. I have some in my fridge. It's absolutely delicious. Time to talk politely to your local liquor store and make sure that they start stocking some Manhattan Brewing Company four-packs. Every person who goes to the brewery takes a picture, DMs it, or tweets it at me of the Bosco's Boys sticker that is somewhere inside Manhattan Brewing Company. I will send you a Bosco's Boys sticker as well. So get in there, find the sticker, enjoy some pints, tell them Bosco's Boys sent you. Absolutely delicious. I'm sure they have some great events going on this week as well. I will let you guys all know about that tomorrow uh, when I get the list of events. Shout out to Manhattan Brewing Company. Again, longest running sponsor in the history of Bosco's Boys. Uh, you know, I we could not be partnered with a better company than Manhattan Brewing Company. All right, another shutout. Uh, look, this defense is absolutely amazing. I, I think I saw a stat somewhere that K-State has the four most recent games where a defense holds a conference opponent to three points or less in the Big 12. The four most recent. Joe Klanderman's the man. Again, there were the growing pains early. You know, especially the trick plays, the play actions getting beat over the top. That was a legitimate problem earlier in the season. But this team has turned it around. This team has bought in. And they are just menacing on defense. They do everything correct. They are now assignment sound. And they are going to force teams to play a borderline perfect game if you want to consistently move the ball in this defense. Uh, so much praise needs to go to Joe Klanderman and what he's been able to put together. Defensive line, great pressure the entire game. Uh, would have loved to get uh, a few more sacks, but Donovan Smith was never comfortable. He was running around like a madman, just throw the ball away or to throw an interception over to Will Lee. Um, never was comfortable. They couldn't get their running game going because they could never get their offensive line up to the second level. I think they had one play where they kind of broke things out on a run. Um, but but the front three, uh, you know, in the middle, Uso, Banks, Damian Alalio, those three guys, every single time are taking two, sometimes three guys, assignment sound, defensive ends, not allowing anything to get to the outside. And then, then again, on those passing downs, just going after the quarterback, see ball, get ball, do not give them time. Um you can't say enough about the defensive line. Uh, Nate Matlack got the uh, only sack of the game. He had another tackle. Uh, his, like, I don't know what. Someone needs to tell me what that celebration is. Someone talk to Nate Matlack and let me know what that celebration is. I like it. I love the signature sack dances. I just need to know what he's doing. Uh, Khalid Duke got two tackles. Javon Banks, one tackle. And, and like I said, he, he was doing so well on those bull rushes, especially on those passing situations when he was out there. Uh, shout out to Javon Banks. I, 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 I would imagine he probably thought, hey, I'm going to be more of an every down defensive tackle type. But he's bought into his role and he's executed it very well. Again, that, that was something that we talked so much about last year with the Jerome Tang basketball team that goes to the Elite Eight, taking guys who were the stars back when uh, they were at their smaller school, coming in, buying in, and taking care of their role. You look at this football team, again, we, we talked about him. Seth Porter probably wants to be playing more wide receiver, but he stepped up and become one of the biggest leaders on the team, taking care of business on special teams, and then taking care of business when he gets the chances on offense. Damian Alalio and Javon Banks probably both thought, hey, maybe I have a shot to be the guy at nose guard, but they're taking care of business when it comes to their roles on this team. All four defensive ends probably think, man, why do I have to rotate so much? Why am I not getting more snaps? Uh, but when they're out there, they are absolutely killing it. The running backs, the quarterbacks, they have all bought in to their role on this team to make K-State so successful. And, and a lot of that, I know Chris Common says, hey, it's the player-led team. Uh, this is their program, not mine. He's empowered them to make those decisions. Again, so much frustration coming out of the Missouri game and the Oklahoma State game. None of that's washed away. But what this team has been able to turn into and really peaking at the right time of the season, it is something absolutely special. I uh, mentioned Damian Lolio. He got a tackle. 
Uh, Uso credited with a pass breakup with a tip ball with his big old meaty paw. Just a bear paw tipping the ball up. Almost caused an interception in the second quarter as well. Uh, Khalid Duke had two tackles. And then, uh, you know, a- after the Seth Porter touchdown, uh, that's when I took my cue to head towards the exit. Uh, Cody Stuffelbeam was getting a lot of praise for how he was setting the edge in that game as well late in the game. So shout out to him. Moving to the linebackers, folks, Jake Clifton running around like a madman, had a tackle for loss, three total tackles. Des Purnell, three tackles, and he was able to get the fumble recovery. And Austin Romaine, back on the field, grabbed two tackles as well. Desmond Purnell, redshirt sophomore. Jake Clifton, true sophomore. Austin Romaine, true freshman. These three guys who are absolute madmen maniacs they're going to be around together for at least another two seasons after this one. The future is so bright at the K-State linebacker position. And again, there's been some frustrations with a couple recruits that have gotten away who, who would have played linebacker. And that's not to say that uh, if they ever wanted to come back to K-State, hey, go ahead. Joe Klanderman will find a spot for you to play. But folks, these three uh, these three linebackers, and hey, Austin Morgan. <laughs> He can come back and join this this trio next year uh, and, and allow things to just, just go nuts at linebacker once again. It is scary how well these three guys are playing. They all are super athletic, playing with their hair on fire, running all over the place. And then again, you got the machine, Austin Moore. Uh, him and Bo Palmer both got tackles for a loss, so they weren't going to let the young pups get all the uh, praise, all the love. So shout out to them. Keep moving on back in the defense. The secondary, boy, have they come to their own. And, and look, I just heaped so much praise on the linebackers. Earlier in the game, I was talking about how great the offensive line uh, has been. I think right now, the secondary might be the best unit on the team. Now, you're going to need them to have a massive game next week and for rest of the season. But, folks, what they've been able to do... Really, again, you keep going back to, or I keep going back to the Missouri game. That was the wake-up call. And again, some of the shifts where you flip-flop where on the field Kobe Savage and VJ Payne are playing. Uh, You start to allow these defensive backs who all, again, when you lose four NFL guys from the secondary last year, um, (laughs) and you have a lot of inexperience, at least when it comes to playing together, um... Of course there's going to be some learning curves. Of course there's going to be some uh, frustration trying to pick up some stuff. But, guys, they're there. This is the final form of the defensive uh, backfield. And I think that they're really starting to get things done. Uh, Marquis Siegel led the team in tackles, had a tackle for a loss. And I, I think that he truly probably has been one of the best safeties in the Big 12 this year. Uh, so pleased with how he's been able to play. Kobe Savage bringing the swagger, the emotion, just wanting to light guys up. And, and he has that little bit of extra motivation versus Texas teams. And then the big bad is next week. And I know he wants that one really badly, but he is such a leader. And I don't know. He can come back next year. He has another year. I don't know if he's going to choose to or not. He might try to. Uh, you know, become that next K-State, you know, transfer, you know, going from JUCO to K-State to the NFL draft. Um, But he's a leader, and he brings that emotion. He brings that mob mentality, mind on ball. Uh, And and you need that sort of guy. And and there's going to be people to pick up the lantern. There are going to be people to pick up the torch. Uh, But Kobe Savage has, has been the real deal um, once he's been able, to, you know, it took him, you know, it took him about a game to get used to moving to the new safety spot because he's been playing the jack. Um, but but once once he came into his own, he, he's really starting to play with speed. Uh, VJ Payne had five tackles, had a uh, or two tackles, excuse me, had a pass breakup as well. Matthew Marshmeyer, he had two tackles and a pass breakup, and he was able to really help keep that shutout bit alive once the uh, backups came in. So shout out to them. Moving to the corners, they're playing out of their mind. Keenan Garber, two tackles, one big hit. I'm glad the kid is all right, but uh, Keenan Garber made a big hit on a Houston player who went up to get the ball, and uh, that guy had about a 10-foot drop back down to the turf. 
Um, and he, I'm glad he's okay, but you know, Echo or not Echo, Keenan Garber out there making plays. Um, you know, those Lawrence kids are speedy. You know, again, him and Echo, both from Lawrence, Kansas. Echo on the Chiefs practice squad right now. Uh, but those those Lawrence boys are fast. Uh, Keenan Garber really out there playing boundary corner very well. And let's let's hear it for Will Lee. Will Lee's best game as Wildcat, really playing up to the hype. Um, he had five tackles. He had an interception, led to a double thumbs down celebration, and he got a pass breakup. Spoiler alert: He's going to be part of the Boneheads. Uh, you know, game awards here in just a few minutes, but absolutely big time game from him. And Jacob Parrish, uh, you know, he has one pass breakup, one tackle, and he's been playing a little bit more inside corner on these third and long situations. And he really helped, uh, you know, force Donovan Smith back into Nate Matlack for that sack. He is an absolute demon in blitzing situations when he's playing like an inside corner, more like a nickel corner. Uh, in some of these uh, third and long situations. So shout out to him as well. And again, shout out to the entire defense. They all probably deserve game balls. Uh, but just an absolute back-to-back massive weeks from the entire defense. Um, special teams, not not a lot. Tenet, uh had some good sky kicks. You can see they're trying a few things on kickoff. Uh, there was one longer turn, but it get, got called back for a hold. Five of five on extra points. Uh, Leighton Simmering got uh, kind of put in a rough situation. <laughs> you feel for the kid. He's just kind of standing around the entire game. Uh, have to kick a cold ball on the final extra point. Uh, did not go in. I'm sure it'll be all right, though. Uh, nothing really going on in the return game, um, which is fine. I, I'm fine calling fair catch. I'm fine just you know doing the minimum. I'm, t- I'm fine taking the ball at the 25 on kickoffs. I, I know some folks are frustrated by it. I'm not. I'm not frustrated about it. I get it. I know there's a super long streak about return touchdowns. Um, it doesn't bother me at all right now. I reserve to change my mind if we lose a game uh, because that's seemingly what K-State fans do with special teams. Um, <laughs> uh, punting, uh, you know, Bloomer was fine. Averaged 38 yards on his three punts. Got two inside the 20, one inside the 10. Uh, really tough conditions to punt in, though. Uh, as you can see, Houston's punter was an absolute failure. Um, so there's that. Uh, let's grade our keys to V. Um, the first one was mean what you say and practice what you preach when you talk about uh, taking it one step at a time, be one on one and know every week. Uh, big time favorite, you know. K-State fans are nervous when those happen, especially at home. But they meant it. They came out. And they didn't take anything for granted. And they really did have that 1-0 mentality. So that's getting an A+. Um, I did two weeks in a row. I won't do it next week. Um, But do not let shuffling QBs kill any rhythm. Uh, Look, we didn't really shuffle quarterbacks very much. We really only had one play (laughs) um, where there was shuffling. And and it was that fumble. so I'm, I'm going to give it an A minus because they didn't force the shuffling. Um, they did it. it; it did not go well, and they're just like, "Nope, sorry, we're going to ride with Will uh, rest of this game until it's garbage time, and then we're going to go to Avery." So I'm giving that an A minus. Um, it should kind of be an incomplete, but 41 to nothing. I'm giving out A's for almost everything. Actually, for everything. The next one: don't give any cheap momentum plays to Houston. Look. We almost did, but the defense bucked up, didn't give up any yards, and then forced a long field goal that they could not hit, uh, and, and that's why we have the shutout. So that's an A+. Plus, A+, plus on that one. And then number four, kill off the game when you get a chance, A+. Plus. Again, Houston came back from down 21 to nothing last week. Should have gotten the game at least to overtime. That was not going to happen. K-State was pedal to the metal, foot on the throat the entire game, a plus there. All right, we're going to round up. We're going to finish off this episode with the game balls. The first one from the Boneheads, presented by Charlie Hustle. Check out Charlie Hustle. Get yourself a Will the Thrill Howard NIL shirt. Get over there. Get yourself a crew neck. Get yourself equipped. Because now, look, from this, from this week moving forward, it's not just one football game you got to worry about. We're getting multiple basketball games. 
You got volleyball going on. You got women's basketball going on. Folks, there is so many there are so many K-State sporting events. You need probably a whole secondary wardrobe, a new one, just from Charlie Hustle to keep up with all the game days. So check out Charlie Hustle, the softest, the most comfortable, the most stylish, officially licensed K-State apparel in the country. Get over to charliehustle.com today. Bonehead game ball number one going to Will Howard again. He did everything he needed him to. He was very much a game manager, but that isn't bad. That that has such a negative connotation, it shouldn't. Will Howard did exactly what we needed to get the win, and he gets that game ball. My game ball going to DJ, the Blue Jay Giddens back-to-back weeks. Again, over 100 yards. Uh, was it over 120? It was like 118 total yards from scrimmage. Two touchdowns. Uh, the guy is a beast. He's the leading uh, rusher on the team. He's number three in receiving yards as well. I think he's number two or three, and I think number two in touchdowns, total touchdowns, maybe number one. I don't know, but he's having a massive year, and he is having he had a massive game uh, uh, again, once again. So shout out to DJ the Blue Jay Giddens. A bonehead game ball number two going to Will Lee. Will the Blanket Lee. Will Lee Wildcat. Whatever you want to call him. He had a massive game. Some big hits. uh, Forced two turnovers. One interception. One forced fumble. Uh, This was Will Lee living up to the reputation. And his biggest game of the year coming to... Alright, not tomorrow. But on Saturday. Uh, my game ball number two going to Marquis Siegel. Again, I think he took a lot of um, a lot of arrows, a lot of uh, you know vitriol earlier in the season. I think he has really answered the bell. I think he played great. Uh, again, so many guys on the defense, and and really, I should have done a cop out and given a game ball to the entire defense. Um, so honorable mention uh, game ball. Uh, actually, we'll just give you know a, a helmet sticker to the entire defense. Uh, that doesn't mean anything, but the entire defense played great. But I went with Marquis Siegel because I just love the way he plays. So he's getting uh, my game ball number two. Bonehead swagger sticker going to Cooper BB again, going viral, just swagging on dudes, and then he goes out in Aggieville as Nacho Libre, shirtless and all. In Aggieville after the game. Uh, This is the perfect recipient for the Swagger Sticker. Again, he is playing some of the best football we've ever seen from any offensive lineman in the history of K-State football. Cooper Beebe with a Swagger Sticker. Uh, Absolutely unstoppable. He he has just been amazing. Uh, my, My Swagger Sticker going to Seth Porter, of course. Again, one of my favorite guys on the team. Uh, one of my favorite players, again, the guy who embodies, uh, you know, Kansas State University. Um, shout out to him. He 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 deserves that swagger sticker. He deserves that game award. Uh, Kevin McFarland, my dad's boomer award goes to KT Lev. He was gushing about uh, KT as we were texting during the game. He stayed home and watched this one on TV. But we were texting back and forth during the game, gushing about him. When I got back to Topeka to pick up Chauncey. Uh, uh, he, he was gushing about him as well. Uh, just an absolute big-time game from him. Uh, you love to see it. Uh, and shout-out to KT. Again, that left side of the offensive line, that, that's an NFL offensive line right there. Left tackle, left guard, those are two NFL guys. You love to see it. So shout-out to KT Lev getting the second-ever Boomer Award. And then Chauncey Bosco's He's Got That Dog in Him Award goes to Kobe Savage. Again, he has that mob mentality. He is the torch bearer for the present day mob. It is back. Mind on ball. You know, whatever whatever acronym, whatever meaning they want to put behind that. Um, I don't care. The mob's back. He's always flashing the mob sign. Had another big game versus Texas school. Again, that is one of Chauncey's favorite players. He, he told, tells me that all the time. Massive Kobe Savage fan. And who isn't? Who isn't a massive Kobe Savage fan? Again, very selfishly, I want Kobe Savage for one more year. I don't know what he's going to do, but I want him back for one more year. One more year, Kobe. Come on. But that's all we have. 
the Game Awards go to Game Balls to Will Howard, DJ Giddens, Will Lee, and Marquis Siegel. Swagger stickers going to Cooper BB and Seth Porter. The Boomer Award to KT Lev. And the He's Got That Dog in Him Award going to Kobe Savage. All right, this is going to be a massive week. It's going to be a nervous week. The shows we got for you are as follows. Tomorrow, we will have our Q&A episode. Wednesday, I will preview the Texas game. I'll uh, you know, also have my reactions from Chris Kleiman's press availability as well as the players. On Thursday, no live shows this week. I'm going to react, do a basketball preview, take in anything we get from the exhibition game with Emporia State. And Friday, it's going to be a whip around. I'm, I'm hoping, honestly... I'm hoping to get KSU underscore fan uh, on. I'm hoping to talk to Jimmy and kind of have his take, you know, a, a three quarters of the way through the season, check in on the stats and preview the Texas game. Maybe some input from someone from Texas. I don't know, but we'll have a show on Friday. Hopefully a lot of Jimmy, but we'll see. That's all we have. Oh, I'm already nervous, but what a fun game that was. So for Chauncey, the best dog in the world. For my dad, because I love him, and go Cats. And you know what? Shout out to my mom and brother, too. They're very happy with that KU win. What a massive game that Sunflower Showdown is going to be here in a couple weeks. Uh, But we love you guys. Go Cats. It's time to get set for the cat attack. You can feel the excitement. You can feel it coming on. For Kansas State, the feeling's growing strong. You can join in the action, this is where you want to be. With Kansas State, come on, set your spirit free. Kansas State, our pride is with the cats. Kansas State, come on, join the cat attack. Kansas State, excitement's in the air. Podcast Network.